You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. And well, we're in our final week of our Encountered by Jesus series. So if you would open up your Bibles to John chapter 3, and if you would reach into your worship guides and take out your teaching notes. Um, earlier this week, uh, I think it was on Monday, uh, Cammie and I had the opportunity to have uh, Reed and Elias, two of our grandsons, uh, in our home while mom and dad were um, doing some family business, running some errands. Uh, actually, they were at the doctor's office uh, having an ultrasound of the new baby granddaughter that's coming in June. <clears throat> so we're excited about that. Uh, her name has already been given. It's Elsie Claire Wilson. So just can't tell that. I'm not a proud grandpa, am I? Yeah, finally a girl in a family of boys. <clears throat> well, as they were there, you know, the deal is you keep them busy. So they got there. We made sure they brought their bikes. And so we uh, took them on a bike ride <clears throat> and wore them out as much as we could. And then we came home and um, they had hot chocolate. And uh, we took them into our garage and they made a, um, a Christmas present for mom and dad. We're hoping that it stays a surprise, but who knows? Uh, we said, don't tell mom and dad, but uh, mom and dad probably already know. And then we settled down and we watched a, a Christmas movie. Well, uh, while we were watching the movie, there were times where uh, during the movie, the, the music would become louder more intense because it was matching what was happening on the screen. And um, uh, the first time that happened, the youngest one, Elias, said, I'm scared. And I said, it's okay. There's a happy ending coming. And then uh, it happened again. The music intensified. The screen action uh, got more intense. And he said, I'm scared. And I said again, it's okay. There's going to be a happy ending. Well, it happened a third time, and I realized my attempt to console him was not working because this time he said, is there going to be a happy ending? (laughs) And so um, we decided, rather than having mom and dad ask us, how and why did you traumatize our kids while we were gone, that despite Big Brother's argument, we did turn the movie off. Um, We all love a happy ending, right? We, we love it like when we watch a movie or a TV show and uh, when the end comes, all the storylines that are in the, 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 the movie have been neatly tied up, right? We, we like it when um, all the details have been taken care of, um, uh, there's no questions left unanswered, and there's resolve. In other words, we, we like, we prefer a happy ending. Uh, occasionally, uh, Cammie and I will watch a movie, and when it's over, uh, we're like, what? Is this ever? It, 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 it's over. It's like it ended, but it didn't end. And for us, it didn't end because they didn't tie everything up, and there's still questions about, well, what about this, and what about that? And, and, and there's, there's no resolve. We're, we're left with questions. There's, there's, no, there's no happy ending. Well, today we're going to look at an encounter that Jesus had with a very prominent Jewish man. His name is Nicodemus. Um, Nicodemus only appears in the Gospels three times, so we don't really know a lot about him. But what we do know, at least from the portion of his story that we're going to look at today, and we're just going to look at eight verses of his story, but in the portion of the story that we look at today, 
It's one of those kinds of stories. Everything doesn't get tied up at the end. We're left with questions. Uh, there, there, there's no resolve. It's just, it's just one of those stories. So um, I'd like for you to follow along as I read from uh, John chapter 3. I'm just going to read eight verses beginning in verse 1. And then we're going to talk about it a little bit. It says, Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, No one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And we're going to stop there. But there's more to the story. But for the sake of today's message, we just want to look at those eight verses. So what I'd like for you to do is um, step into this encounter with me. Let's step into the story. And as we step into this encounter, we can begin by um, identifying that Nicodemus was a man who was facing a dilemma. He was, he was a man with a dilemma. And we can begin to define this dilemma by asking the question, why did Nicodemus come to Jesus at night? Why? Why did he make his journey to see Jesus at night? Um, so I want you to picture as if you were looking on at Nicodemus' home, and what you see is uh, Nicodemus peering out uh, the window of his home. And when he is fully satisfied that night has come, that it is completely dark outside, he opens up the door of his home and he begins a journey. Perhaps he's persuaded himself that this journey is best at night because at night in Jerusalem, the, the, the city streets are not crowded anymore, so it would make it easier to get there. But the truth of the matter is Nicodemus is afraid of being seen with the one that he's going to be seen with. And of course, that was Jesus. Jesus was the reason for this nighttime journey. Jesus was the reason for the dilemma that Nicodemus found himself in. Uh, why, why would a meeting with Jesus create a problem? Well, to begin with, uh, Nicodemus was very well known in the city of Jerusalem. And tradition tells us that he was most likely one of the three wealthiest men in the city uh, of Jerusalem. Uh, this problem is intensified when you consider the fact that he was both uh, a religious man 
And he was a man who was very, very well respected. You see, he was a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was a religious group of leaders who served uh, for the Jewish people. They served as the capacity of the Supreme Court uh, of the Jewish people. He was a prominent man. Um, His meeting was problematic because many, if not most, if not all, of his colleagues in the Sanhedrin were set against Jesus. Um, They were convinced that Jesus was there in an attempt to to create a rebellion, to create a, a revolution. And they were worried that the slightest um disruption to their culture would bring the full fury of Rome down on their heads. But here's the real heart of the dilemma. Nicodemus wasn't quite sure if he agreed with his colleagues. There was a struggle that was going on. Nicodemus had spent his entire life drawing neat little boundary lines around everything in life. And it was uh, focused, those boundary lines came uh, through his understanding of the, the law of Moses. And, and, and this was safe for him because it helped him make sense of life. But now there's this Jesus who's on the scene and Nicodemus doesn't know quite sure what to think about Jesus. And so there's this struggle that's going on inside of him. He is curious, and this, this, this curiosity creates a restlessness in him. He's a restless man. And so as this restless man, it's out of this restlessness that he, in the dark, sets out to make a journey to see Jesus, and he has one question to ask. Jesus, who are you? Who are you? He says, Rabbi. Teacher, um, we know you're, you, you, must, you must be associated with God somehow. You must be maybe sent from God because uh, we watch the signs and the wonders that you do. And um, no one could do these things apart from God. So, so Jesus Who are you? I just have to know. Who are you? And and, uh, Jesus' response to Nicodemus, it it was puzzling to Nicodemus. And suddenly we see that Nicodemus was a a reluctant man. He He was reluctant. He was hesitant to try to understand the spiritual reality that Jesus was presenting him with. Because Jesus begins to talk about being born again. Let's face it, when we hear that phrase, I'm born again, or are you born again? If we have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if we've been around a while, we know what that means, right? It's part of our lingo. It's part of what we do. You know, you probably have seen bumper stickers, born again. We, we just know, but that was not the case with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was reluctant. He just couldn't bring himself to understand. It was strange. And so he has questions. He says, are you suggesting that a person would re-enter their mother's womb? How, 
Jesus, how, how could that, how could this be? So here we have this religious leader. He's well known. He's well respected. Uh, most likely one of the wealthiest men in Jerusalem taking the risk to go see Jesus at night that simply ask, who are you? You know, that's a great question for all of us to ask Jesus. Jesus isn't offended if we ask him that question because that's what he wants us to know. He wants us to know who he is. And we see this from the... He was willing to respond, Jesus, who are you? Let's think about the encounter itself for a moment. I'm rattling and I don't know what's causing that, but we'll just bear with it. Okay? Um, Handheld mic. Put a pause on everything. Okay, I'm going to stand still. Oh, here it is. Don't you love it that in church we could just have interruptions? It's just, just, just not a problem. So let's let's think about this encounter uh, for, for, for just a moment. Nicodemus was a rabbi. And it was his leadership as a rabbi that actually fortified the respect that he had gained. And so I find it very interesting that this well-respected rabbi who was well-studied and a, a powerful leader in Jerusalem, I find it so interesting how he addressed Jesus because he didn't come to him in superiority and he didn't come to him in arrogance and he didn't speak to him in a demeaning way. Not at all. Instead, this man who was respected approached Jesus respectfully. It might have been that when he came face to face with Jesus that he just wasn't quite sure how to address him. Um, His colleagues had referred to him as a lunatic, a traitor, a liar. And remember, there's this struggle that's going on in, in Nicodemus. And, and, and so as he faces, as the rabbi faces this man, Jesus, he addresses him as rabbi, as teacher. So there was this respect that was there. Jesus came to Jesus, uh, Nicodemus came to Jesus with respect, but Nicodemus also came with some kind of faith. The problem is, is it, it, the story doesn't prove it to be uh, a saving kind of faith. Um, Nicodemus acknowledged that Jesus was a teacher, but if we read beyond verse 8, nowhere in the story do we find that Jesus referred to himself as a teacher? Instead, what we find is Jesus revealed himself as the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Think about the story. I know if you put it all together, but it's in the story of Nicodemus that we find the foundational scripture of the gospel, John 3.16. 
Have you ever thought about it? That's in Nicodemus' story. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him, you can tell I learned it as a kid from King James, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. This is in Nicodemus' story, and this is how Jesus is revealing himself. So Nicodemus came with a, a faith, but it was a faith that was more like, we we know you're we know you're associated with Jesus with God you have to be you know and and and, and it just appears that God's up to something with you Jesus I, I'm Jesus God's got great plans for you but we never heard Nicodemus and this is where there's not the resolve the happy ending that we that we would wish for we never heard Nicodemus say. I believe that you are son of the Son of God. I believe that you are the Savior of the world, and my faith is in you and you alone. We just never hear that in the story. So I have to believe that this man, who seemed to have everything, power, money, prestige, that as he stood before Jesus that day, Jesus was able to see past it all. He, he was able to see past it all. Jesus was able to see the emptiness in Nicodemus's heart. Jesus knew that Nicodemus was a man who was seeking. He was seeking because whatever was going on in his life, the boundaries he had drawn up, they were not working. Jesus was able to see past the religious exterior and identify the need of the heart. But even so... Nicodemus, he just didn't get it. He was confused, as we said, about this talk about the spiritual rebirth. You see, his religious system that he was so deeply rooted in, it didn't make room for this spiritual reality that Jesus had presented him with. There was no room. He was closed in. He was locked up. There was no room for understanding Nicodemus was a religious man. I want to ask this morning, is religion bad? And it's, you don't have to answer it. If so, why? Is religion bad? And if so, why? If someone were to ask you, are you a religious person or do you uh, adhere to some set of religious beliefs? What they're asking is, do you hold any spiritual belief system? And the key phrase there is system. If religion is seen as a system, that means that you see religion as a set of uh, rules and regulations that lead to behavior modification. Think about that. It's not about behavior modification. It's not. Uh, uh, if, If we see religion that way, then that religion is meaningless. It's empty. Uh, Nicodemus was well-trained in the rabbinical system that had been built around the the law of Moses. Uh, But this system, we see this throughout Scripture, it was in the end empty and unfulfilling. Remember, Jesus said, I didn't come to do away with the law, but I came to fulfill the law. Because the law in itself was not fulfilling. It was empty. It, it, it It was meaningless. It was void of relationship. You hear that? It was void of relationships. So the question that I want us to all consider this morning is this. Are we trying to live out 
a religious system of beliefs? Are we stuck in a system uh, or are we committed to a life-giving, life-changing relationship with God? Are we trying to live out a life that's built on a system of behavior modification or are we living in a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus? It's essential that we understand that Jesus has not called us to um, a lifestyle of religious behavior. Jesus has called us into an intimate, personal, life-changing relationship with him. And um, it's very easy for us to begin to uh, substitute religious behaviors like going to church, um, going to Bible, just doing things because they're in our system and, and we're working to, to modify our, our behavior. Jesus presented Nicodemus with a very simple um, spiritual principle. And it's the same principle that he has presented all of us with. And I want you to listen to this. It's a, it's a little trick on words, okay? Uh, first, we all have a choice. We can be born once and die twice, or we can be born twice and die once. I'm going to say that again. We can all be born once and die twice, or we can be born twice and die once. Think about that. So we're, we're born of water, a physical birth. Uh, and then as we travel through life, if we're not in relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, we die a spiritual death and we die uh, a spiritual death. But when we enter into relationship with Jesus, so we're born and then we're born again and then we have a physical death. But John three sixteen, we have eternal life. And that's that's the choice that we all have to make. Remember, it's not just about behavior modification, but Jesus has called us into a deep, intimate, life-changing, life-giving relationship with him. We all, we all have a choice. Listen, I've been in church. I've been in church since I was born. And I made a decision to accept Jesus when I was six years old. I just want to say that was a long time ago. A long time ago. And in my lifetime, I've had to figure out that it's not just about me doing all the right things. But it's about learning to live in relationship with Jesus. Nicodemus uh, made his way to Jesus in the dark of night. And I think there's something symbolic there. Him coming to Jesus in the dark of night was representative of the dark night that was going on in his soul. Remember, there's a struggle. He's trying to find out who this Jesus is. He's not sure if he's in agreement with his colleagues. And so he's, he's faced with a choice. Nicodemus is at a crisis of his belief. Will he believe as his colleagues? Jesus is a lunatic, a liar, a traitor. Or will he believe 
that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. You know, um, we all have our own dark nights, right? We all have our dark night of the soul. There are times when we doubt. I doubt. I confess. There are times where I've been in situations and say, God, I'm just not sure. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm going to be really honest. There have been times where I say, God, and it's interesting because I'm asking them, God, do you really exist? It shows I have some kind of faith, right? <laughs> because I ask him. But I, I'm just saying, I don't think that I'm any different. I think that we go through situations in our lives and we doubt. We have a dark night of the soul. We have a crisis of belief and we have to make a choice. Am I going to believe, regardless of what life would say around me, that I believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and I'm going to live in relationship with him. You see, in our dark nights, we can go to Jesus. We don't have to go away from him, but we can go to him. And guess what? We can ask the same question. Jesus, who are you? I need to know who you are right now. And guess what? It never sets him off. He's so glad we come. And every time he will reveal himself. He'll reveal himself to us. Nicodemus faced a religious dilemma. Again, religion is this system of behavior modification, and it's easy to get up and caught up in religion as a substitute for relationship. I'll say it again. It's not about behavior modification. We have to choose that Jesus sees past our behavior, past our activities, and Jesus sees right into our heart. You know, I think one of the uh, major components of um, uh, uh, this whole thought, a crisis of belief, is the question of who knows best for me, me or Jesus? And, And so often when I'm faced with that question, I go, of course, I know what's best for me. And every time I try that, it doesn't work out really well. So we have to choose to know that Jesus knows what's best for us better than we know for ourselves. He just does, even if it's different than what we would think. Uh, Listen, religion makes promises that it cannot deliver. Relationship with Jesus always, always, always is true to the promises. Always. So uh, this morning... I'm asking that we all consider our life. Are we caught up in religious activities, uh, religious behaviors, or are we living out uh, a, a relationship, an intimate relationship with Jesus? If you find yourself living out a, a, a system of religious behavior, I guess my question is, how's that working out for you? I can answer that. It's not, not very well. It's empty. It's unfulfilling. So we have to choose to choose a relationship with Jesus over empty religious activities. Now, when I think about this message, I, I know that probably today that as I bring this message, I'm bringing it to a group of people. Probably everyone in this room has said yes to Jesus. If there's somebody who hasn't, I'm going to give you a chance in a few minutes to do it. 
But I, so here's what, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm delivering this message to a group of Christ followers. But as Christ followers, it's still easy for us to get it confused. And we think that if I do these things, I do these things, I do these things. But we can't keep that up. And so we have to re- learn how to enter into this deep, intimate relationship. And I want to tell you, I want to tell you how it happens. Listen, uh, religion requires our busyness. I'm going to say that again. Religion requires our busyness, but relationship comes in our stillness. We have to learn how to be still and know that He is God. How is relationship built? By spending time. It's built by spending time. And so my challenge today is that you would ask yourself the question. I would ask myself the question. Am I really living out a life-giving, life-changing relationship? What if I don't check all the boxes? Guess what? God's not going to fire you. So it's just a challenge. It's the challenge today. Are there adjustments that we need to make? In our mindset and in our heart. Maybe maybe someone needs to stop doing something so that you can just be with Jesus. Jesus would love that. And you could say, who are you? And he'll reveal. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Father, we, um, we just want to be still before you for just a, just a moment. And in the stillness, I'm going to ask the question for all of us, Jesus, who are you? Would you reveal yourself to us? Father, I pray that we not be a people who um, just are confused and, and, and we're, help us not to substitute religious activity for relationship. So I, help, I ask that you help us to um, weed out the busyness so that we can just simply be with you and learn of you, hear your voice, and learn how to love you better and better and better. Just work that out in all of us, I pray. And I am going to ask the question, um, is there anybody here today and you've never actually entered into a life-giving, life-changing relationship with Jesus? You've never said, Jesus, I believe that you were the Son of God, the Savior of the world, and you died in my place on the cross. And today I want to, I just want to offer my life to you. I want to confess that I believe Is there anyone here today and you'd say, I want to say yes to Jesus today for the first time. I want to say yes and mean it. Would you just lift up your hand if you're here in the room? Is there anybody? Would you stand? Father, thank you 
Thank you for your word. Thank you for the encounters that we see between Jesus and so many different people and how the stories are for us so that we can hear from your spirit and and your spirit helps us make the changes in our life that needs to happen. So we just commit ourselves to you today. Uh, We receive your peace in this Advent season. Uh, We thank you for the hope that we have through Jesus. And Father God, I just speak blessings in every way over this people as they go today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you. Have a great, great day. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.